This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Bismillah. <clears throat> Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. My brothers and sisters in Islam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Qabil and Habil. Qabil got jealous. Iblis knew of this because he, he had experienced it. And then he started to develop arrogance. So then Adam alayhi salam said to them, go and make an offering and see which one gets accepted. So if Qabil, in other words, if yours gets accepted, then you will have what you desire. But obviously Allah knows. The nature of Qabil, or the, the way he has, the character which he has obeyed, which is a bad character, look what it accompanies with. It's accompanied with self-centeredness and selfishness, greed. His offering, because he was a, a farmer who grew crops, his crops, he brought some wheat. In the hadith says he brought wheat that was really bad. And, and Habil, he, brought, he, was a, he was a farmer also with sheep. He brought, he brought the best sheep and gave it as an offering. Not that Allah wants them, but because to, in order to prove and show their piety. So obviously Qabil's offering was not accepted. And Habil explains it to him. He says, my brother, Allah only accepts from the pious. It's just a symbol. This offering and the acceptance is a symbol that you are a pious person. You're on the right way. You're on the right track. You are. Your character is good. The other one's selfish. The other one's got greed. The other one's got jealousy. But what happened to Qabil? Now he became arrogant because he did not aslam. The word Islam, Islam has a meaning. Islam is a verb. Islam and Muslim is a verb. Yes, it can be a noun al-Islam, but it also denotes an act. When you say he is a Muslim or she is a Muslimah. Is Islam is an action of submitting oneself and their desires to God. Qabil did not want to make himself a Muslim. So he rejected. What happened to him? After rejecting, obviously, compassion and mercy no longer exists in you. When, you, when you're an arrogant person, knowingly. I know that there are people who are non-Muslim, but they, have, they do have compassion and mercy. But we're talking about those who know very well the truth. And they deliberately reject it. When you know the truth, you know it's right, but you don't want it. That's when compassion and mercy starts to escape from us. And also, what do you, you don't care anymore about rights. You're no longer conscious about your actions. Slowly, it develops that way. So he, went, he said, Immediately he resorted to a threat. I will kill you. I will kill you. Because you've got, you're, you're in my way. And the best thing I can do is kill you because I can't change your mind. I can't get what I want, so I'm going to kill you. That's why Allah forbid killing. It's, one, it's, it's among the worst of actions, as you all know. So his brother said to him, obviously his brother, his character is now even increasing more and more with his piety. His selflessness. His obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept him conscious. It kept him on the ball. He knew 
So what does he say to his brother? His brother wants to kill him. He's out. He's outrageous. He's, he's lost the plot. Habil says to him, Brother, Allah accepts it from the pious. And look here. If you extend your arm out in any way to kill me, I'm not going to fight back. I'm not, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to extend my arm out. I have a right, but I won't. And our scholars and past narrators say that Habil was actually stronger than Qabil. Habil was actually stronger than Qabil and he could. And he could have killed his brother if he wanted to. But Habil's piety to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stopped him. It's his piety. It's something that he had developed inside of him that stopped him from this terrible act. Especially that he is his brother. And then he says, He tells you the reason why he did not extend his arm out to kill his brother. Why? He said, I fear Allah, the Lord of all mankind, Lord of the humans. What does he fear? I fear that he will punish me on that day. Have you forgotten, brother? But the arrogance and the jealousy and the greed made his brother, his other brother, forget everything like that. Well, he didn't really forget it, literally. But his consciousness, his sensitivity to it had gone. That's what happens with us. When sins begin to develop in us, what happens? We begin to become desensitized. We don't, not, we don't care anymore about the sin. It doesn't mean as much. The hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is that he said, the believer who is close to Allah sees the sin like a mountain hovering above his head. About, he is afraid that it's going to fall on him. Any sin. But the person who is not close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the disbeliever sees the sin no matter how big or small it is like a fly buzzing around. And he just does this to it. He does this to it. Sure way. The difference. And our scholars agree with this rule. Here, Qabil had forgotten, had, had lost all of that. And Habil said to him, to remind him and also to tell him, if you're going to kill me, that's what you're going to do, and you're arrogant, you've disbelieved, then I would rather you take my sins as well as your own sins. This doesn't mean that automatically, if you kill someone, automatically they take your sins. The, oh, sorry, you take their sins as on top of your own sin. But it means that on the day of judgment, if you don't repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and change your life and compensate for your wrong, then... Yes, according to the hadith, this person will become bankrupt when they have harmed someone or killed someone or stolen from someone or hurt someone or backbit someone. They take your hasanat. They take your hasanat because there is no other way on a day of judgment to repay them but that way. And then when the hasanat are over, then you take their sayyat. Allah says this in the Quran about those who harm others and mislead others. You know, you tell someone do something wrong. Hey, come, come along. Let's go and steal together. Let's go and rob that old lady in her house. Let's go and, and, and bash these people. Especially with Lebanese gangs, right? I'm going to go get all my cousins and we're going to bash you. And they, and they rock up with about you know, 50 cousins. To us, you know, Lebanese, everyone's our cousin for some reason. Call all those cousins, they bash them up. Right? Because they're cowards, you see. They want to they get all these gangs. They can't fight them one-on-one. -on -one. They have to bring all their gang, their cousins, and they bash their Muslim brother. Muslim or Muslim sister. As a teacher, I've seen this. Even in Muslim schools, different Muslim schools. The nationalism comes in, 
Similar to Qabil, what, what was his? He, he was thinking about himself. What's nationalism? Thinking about my nationality. Right or wrong, I'm going to fight you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> because you're from the other nationality. And that's it. That's another disease, which, which we should learn from Qabil and Habil. Among girls and boys. So here is Habil saying, I want you to take my sin and your own sin. Allah says a very interesting statement. Allah says, فَطَوَّعَتْ لَهُ نَفْسُهُ قَتْلَ أَخِيهِ فَقَتَلَهُ فَأَصْبَحَ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Qabil's soul, or his nafs, then prompted him to kill his brother and he killed him. And he became one of the losers. طَوَّعَتْ Loosely translated as prompted. But really, the word طَوَّعَتْ has a deeper meaning. The nafs of Qabil طَوَّعَتْ to him. What does that mean? It means that it made him justify his intention. Made him justify his intention. You heard of murderers? When they, I don't know if you've read about murderers, when they, those who were caught and brought before the court, the common statement among them is that they think they didn't do anything wrong. They try to justify it. You know, they try to justify it. And their tears come out and they say, I didn't mean to, but. And they always have a but to it, right? They're guilty, but. They drove me to do that. Uh, they shouldn't have done this. Uh, they took this and, and, and it grew a rage inside of me and I couldn't bear myself and I got sick. I was sick. They tried to justify everything. So Qabil justified his actions in his head somehow. Pedophiles, serial killers, murderers. They try to justify the act of killing, the act of murder. Famous murderers Amazing, famous murderers make it into the history book. And you find that, why do they murder? If they rob banks and they rob places and they murder, like Ned Kelly and many others, why do they murder? In order to have a name. They want to have a name to be remembered for their act. So they justified in their head this way. Robin Hood, steal from the rich, give to the poor. This is a very false concept. We have the concept of zakat, where you don't need to rob from anybody. But he justifies. Which means that it's possible for us to justify a haram in our heads to ourselves. And we will debate others about it. And we will stand. And we will make protests. And we can, you know, like the socialist parties, they make protests to legalize marijuana, drugs. In their mind, there's nothing wrong with taking marijuana. How do they justify this? I don't know. Any party, justify it. They try to justify it. And, and they stand by it. They stand by it with a passion. With a passion. Because their hearts, they don't allow their nafs to agree with what was true. They hide it. This is, what, this is why it's called kufr. What does kufr mean in Arabic? Literally the word kufr means, literally it's used for farmers when they put a seed in the ground to cover it up with soil. It means to cover up something with soil. So kufr means a cover up. To cover up one's, the truth within you. Cover it up and... Move on. That's what kufr. Hide the truth, cover it up, move on. He convinced himself, justified in his head somehow to kill his brother. But he ended up among the losers. This, try to justify to yourself without accepting the obedience of Allah and his words. You want to go with your own opinion against the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you're a loser. Allah says there is no way of success. There is no way of success. 
I say it to married couples all the time. Marriage which is based on disobedience of Allah, marriage which is based on disobedience of Allah, it contains the elements of its failure. And the marriage which is based on the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the elements of its consistency. It'll last. It'll last and it'll be continuous. But Allah says, as the, some of the prophets used to say to their people, وَنَصَحْتُ لَكُمْ وَلَكِنْ لَا تُحِبُّونَ النَّاصِحِينَ They used to say to their people, such as Hud salam, or Salih, I advised you, my people, but you do not like the advisors. أَنُلْزِمُكُمُهَا وَأَنْتُمْ لَهَا كَارِهُونَ Are we going to force you to take it on when you don't want it yourselves? لَسْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ بِمُسَيْطِرِ You cannot force them. مَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَكْفُرُ Whoever wants it, let him believe. Whoever doesn't want it, let them disbelieve. And we have prepared for each one the consequence. Now when he killed his brother, Allah tells us in the Qur'an that Qabil didn't know what to do with his body. So Allah sent a raven or a crow scratching into the earth to show him how to bury the corpse of his brother. Allah sent two crows because it says that he carried his brother around and started walking everywhere and didn't know what to do with the corpse of his brother. First death, they didn't know how to bury. So Allah sent two crows, ravens or ravens, and they fought each other in front of Qabil. One killed the other and then it went and made a hole in the ground and buried it with soil. And Qabil says, Woe to me! Was I not even able to do as this raven and so bury my brother? Then he became full of remorse. After he buried his brother and it was final and over, Qabil felt regret. Ajib. He felt regret. All during that time, there wasn't an ounce of regret. There wasn't an ounce of guilt. Once he did his deed, and on top of that he buried him, and his body is no longer before him, his true senses start to come back to him. There's a lot of wisdom in this. I don't know if we have time to talk about it. But two of the wisdoms is, at the time of the sin, the person's belief runs away from him. As the Prophet ﷺ says, the mu'min, the believer, when he or she steals or lies or whatever, well, not lies, he or she steals or does acts of haram, because Prophet ﷺ said a mu'min doesn't lie. But he mentioned he would steal, he would commit zina, he would do other things or drink. Once he is doing or she is doing the act, the sin, they are not mu'mins. I.e., this iman which is inside of you, this is something that you acquire. When you are doing the sin, the iman actually goes away. You don't feel it. But when the sin is over, the iman comes back. If you had the iman before, it will come back. And that iman will make you feel remorse and you do something about it. But there's something interesting here. Before I go on, the next wisdom is that subhanallah, this sunnah of burying our dead. It makes us relieved and returns us back to our senses. There's a miracle in that, subhanAllah. That we're paranoid so long as the body is at the coroner's. When we get it and we bury it, the family now rests assured. Because that's it. They've done what they can. The rest is up to Allah. So now the true senses come back after the sin had been committed by Qabil. Something very interesting with Qabil. The regret came back to him. But guess what? He did not do anything about it. He did not repent. He did not make tawbah. He did not ask Allah for forgiveness. He didn't try to compensate his actions. So that means Iman was not with him before he killed his brother. 
He had only the natural remorse which any human can have. The biggest murderer can have it. The biggest kafir can have it. Everyone can have this natural remorse. Allah created in us. He created in us when we're born. Nafsul lawama. The nafs always feels remorse. But the difference is that who does something about it and who doesn't. There are some people they feel it and they hate it. They're arrogant against themselves. Oh, that's why Allah says, when we do a sin, well, how does Allah describe it? When a person does a sin, what does Allah say? He says, He has oppressed himself. You're doing wrong to yourself. Your nafs is one thing naturally and you're trying to stop it. When Allah says about the, and the kuffar or the, or the Muslims who commit sin, what, do they, what does he say? ظَلَمَ نَفْسَهُ وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً أَوْ ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ And those who when they do an act of indecency or wrong themselves, ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ Adam السلام, ate from the tree. Allah told him, did I not tell you both that you will be among the wrongdoers to yourself? So we are actually harming ourselves, the nafs. Harming ourselves through our nafs. Your nafs has a right and you must give it obedience of Allah, spirituality. You must give it the chance to return back to Him, to yearn to Him and to go to Jannah. The story then after that is very interesting. What happened? Qabil did not go back to his father. The corpse or the information was known by his other brothers and sisters. And, it, and, the, and, and the news came to Adam, to Hawa first, to their mother. Hawa received the news. Some narrations say that Iblis himself came to Hawa. They suggest that there were no other brothers and sisters. And some say there were other brothers and sisters, younger ones, but weren't ready for marriage. But some narrations say Iblis himself came because in those days they could, they could see him. And he said to Hawa, Qabil killed Habil. And she said, killed? What does kill mean? In another narration, Qabil didn't know how to kill him. So Iblis came and showed him how to kill him. He was trying to strangle him and try to pull him, but he didn't know how to kill him. So he told him, grab a huge rock and throw it on his head. In another narration, says, stab him and he'll die. So he, they learned how to kill and Hawa didn't know what death was. So he said to her, she said, what do you mean? What's killing? What's, what's death? He said, Iblis told her, it means that he can no longer eat or talk or walk or drink. Then she started to cry. Adam salam approached Hawa and he asked her what's wrong in this narration. She said, and she wouldn't answer. She kept on crying. He asked her a second time. She wouldn't answer. She kept on crying. And he asked her a third time. She kept on crying and she wouldn't answer. Finally, Adam salam he said, and he knew what the situation was, somehow he knew, Adam salam afterwards, and he made the following statement. He said, this is what the women among our children, the females among our children will inherit from their mother. They are more emotional at time of death, and they will cry more. And subhanAllah, if this narration has any doubt in its authenticity, in the least, the meaning it makes sense. Because we see in today, women are, extreme, are generally more emotional than the men by a long shot when it comes to, down to death. And Rasul did forbid women from 
visiting the grave at the time, in, at least at the time of the burial. At the time of the burial. We've covered this before. Because of their emotional state, makes them may, may have say something that's wrong or do something out of their conscience. So Adam salam kept silent in relation to the news, but he said to Hawa, this will be the inherited attribute of your daughters, of our daughters. Which is not necessarily a very bad thing, but it can become bad if the women don't take control of themselves to a certain extent. Crying is, 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 is mercy. Crying is natural. Rasul Muhammad cried when his son died, Rahim. But you have to know the boundary. You have to know the boundary to how far. Don't say things that are disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and don't do acts that are outrageous. In relation to the killing of them both, Qabil ran away. And Rasul sallallahu warns us, Muslims against one another. He said, إِذَا تَوَاجَهَ الْمُسْلِمَانِ بِسَيْفَيْهِمَا فَالْقَاتِلُ وَالْمَقْتُولُ فِي النَّارِ He said, when two Muslims confront each other with their swords, physical fighting, then the murderer and the murdered, the murderer and the victim, both are in hell. Both of them. قَالُوا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ They said, his companions asked him, O Messenger of Allah, هذا القاتل فما بال المقتول قال إنه كان حريصا على قتل صاحبه They said, Ya Rasulullah Okay, that was a murderer But what about the victim? He is the victim, why should he go to hellfire? The Prophet ﷺ replied Because the victim was also keen on killing his brother But his brother was stronger than him and he killed him So they both are in hellfire He died with that intention he died with that intention. He wanted to kill his brother. So what should a Muslim do in that sense? They said, Ya Rasulullah, in another hadith, or the Prophet ﷺ said, don't be like everyone else. When they do good to you, that's the only time you do good to them. And when they do bad to you, that's the only, that you return in the same way. Then they said, Ya Rasulullah, what should we do then? They said, he said, when they do good to you, you also do good to them. That's normal. But when they do bad to you, try to avoid their badness. Try to avoid their badness. Try to defend yourself. But don't intend to kill him in the same way, such as revenge. So if we understand this from the ayah where Habil says, Instead, I prefer that you bear the burden of my sin and your sin, and so become an inhabitant of the fire. That is the recompense of the transgressors. A Muslim does not hold his sword against another Muslim, even if the other Muslim held his sword against him, except in defense, but not with the intention of killing him. For this reason, and this hadith is in Bukhari Muslim, by the way, and this next hadith, Rasul told us that as a result of the actions of Qabil, Fitna began between the people. Fitna of killing and mischief and corruption. And he said there will be turmoil very soon. The one who sat down from it will be better than the one who is standing. And the one who is standing will be better than who was walking. And the one who is walking will be better than the one who is running. 
He said, tell me what shall I do, meaning the companion who's hearing this hadith, he said, tell me what shall I do if someone enters my home and wants to kill me? And Rasul replied, be like the son of Adam. What is the Prophet talking about? This hadith is in Musnad Ahmad and Turmadi, authentic hadith. Rasul telling us there will come a time where Muslims will want to kill one another. There's going to be war between Muslims and brethren. Rasul is saying, don't hold your sword. In another hadith, he said, even if you were to live on, in the mountains, isolate yourself from this fitna among the Muslims, and live by, by re- needing to eat from the roots of trees. If you have no other resource, just don't come back. Don't involve yourself between the fitna of the Muslims. Avoid it. If you can reconcile, good. If you can't, avoid it. That's the best thing. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, what should we do if the fitna comes to us? He said, be like the son of Adam, like Habil. Don't carry your sword against them. And this first fitna that the Prophet ﷺ spoke about began in the beginning of the murder of Umar anhu, and a door of the fitna was opened which extended to the time of our the Khalifa Uthman anhu, Ibn Affan. And there was a fitna among the Muslims. Listen to what happened, how Uthman anhu dealt with it. SubhanAllah, there is a wisdom behind him being the Khalifa at that time. Ajib. Even though there were others who could have been more qualified. But Allah knows best. Uthman radiallahu was the Khalifa. And look at what happened. A huge lesson. There were people among the Muslims. Yes, that were, had wrong information. And they resorted to the violence between the Muslims and they came in to kill Uthman radiallahu anhu. Uthman radiallahu anhu was still reading the book, the Quran. And there were among them, even Ali radiallahu anhu supported Uthman radiallahu anhu. He would protect him. And there were members of the companions of Prophet protect him. And they said, Ya, ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, why don't you send an army against them? These Muslims who are transgressing against you. He said, Wallahi, I will not lift a sword. Because I do not, I do not want to be, it to be said after me, after me, that Uthman radiallahu kills his companions. I do not want me to be a prerequisite to open up a new sunnah of Muslims killing one another. I will not lift my sword against the Muslim. I will not shed his blood, even if he is in the wrong one to kill me. So we took the hadith of Prophet ﷺ, be like the good one from the two sons of Adam, Habil. What, what happened to him? We all know. It's factual, it's fact, undeniably, in the history of the way that Uthman was murdered, Muslims entered. They were misguided. We leave that up to Allah. May Allah forgive them. Allah knows their situation. They entered while he's reciting the Quran. His wife, radiallahu anha, stood up to protect her husband, Uthman, and they severed her two fingers. She put her arms, severed her fingers. And she made a curse against them. And Uthman, radiallahu anha, as he was reciting the Quran, they killed him with his sword and his blood seeped on the Quran. He, would not, he had the power, he had the soldiers, but he did not lift a sword. And this is how Uthman died, reciting the Qur'an. After him was Ali who came about. And Ali himself was also murdered again. And the person who murdered him, he murdered, he was a khawariji. One of the worst of those who called themselves Muslims. They interpreted the Qur'an in their own way. In a way that was never known by the Prophet And when he killed him, he killed him as Ali was exiting the masjid. And he killed him with his sword 
By the way, Ali radiallahu knew that there were people after him. But again, he sought and he was reciting an ayah from the Qur'an. The murderer killed him reciting an ayah from the Qur'an as though he is committing jihad. They killed him, of course. But the door of the fitna opened, and the fitna began with Qabil. That's why the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تقتل نفس ظلما إلا كان على ابن آدم الأول كفل من دمها لأنه كان أول من سن القتل. No soul is killed unjustly, but the first son of Adam, meaning Qabil, bears bears a part of that sin. Because he was the first to initiate this tradition of killing, right, but collected in Bukhari. Anyone who starts off a bad tradition and it becomes accustomed with the people, that person will carry a portion of the sin until it is stopped or until the last hour. Now killing was started by that tradition. And Rasul Sallallahu also said, we mentioned this hadith last week, I'll just say it in English very quick. No sin expedites, meaning um, gets rid of, the divine punishment in this world, though one has to suffer for his sin in the hereafter, than the sin of rebellion and rupture of womb relationships. Meaning, any sin that you do in this world, the hereafter punishment is in the hereafter or it's forgiven. Except for the two sins, which is rebellion, killing, murder, uh, killing, murder, theft, rights of others, and cutting off, severing the ties of relationships between relatives. Their sin, their punishment is is both in this world and in the hereafter. In this world and in the hereafter. Narayad in At-Tirmidhi. Qabil ran to the mountains. It is narrated, you will find this in Bidayah wa Niha, in Tariq al-Tabari, that it is said, although we don't know the authenticity of this narration, but the meaning of it is very interesting. It is quite, it makes sense. Qabil ran to the mountains, it is said. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave Adam salam another son instead of Habil named Sheath. Some narrations say that Sheath was a Nabi, a prophet, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But Rasul Sallallahu said about Sheath, In Allah Anzala Mi'at Sahifa, Wa Arbaata Suhuf, Ala Sheath Khamsina Sahifa. Allah sent down 104 scriptures. Of them were 50 that were sent down upon Sheath. So he did receive scriptures. Sheath received scriptures, and there were words of wisdom from Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Another narration, Fifty scriptures were sent down upon him, meaning upon Sheath. This man Sheath, if you want, may Allah be pleased with him. A lot of narrations say that he got married, obviously, and he had children, and that the lineage gets, ends up with him. Sheath had children, and they lived on earth, in the land. Adam السلام, had forbidden that the people of the mountains mix with the people of the land because of the corruption. And this, this meaning is correct according to the Prophet's hadith, the meaning of it, the concept, is that every person is on the way of life of their companions. Let every one of you be aware who they take as a friend. 
Your friend is who you are. So be careful who your friends are. I say this to the young people here especially. Be careful who you choose your friends. If they are friends that love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you find them that they you know, pray their prayers, alhamdulillah, and they try to stay away from sin as much as they can, they should be your friends. But any other friend is not a good friend. Even if he takes you out for a good time, he's not a friend. Iblis can give you a better time. The shaitan can give us a better time. Right? But they are not the friends. They will lead you astray. Be aware of them. Be careful. They'll give up on you when, they, when you really need them. I remember a young, young man, <clears throat> young boy about 16, 17. I used to, it was close, I used to tell him, brother, stay away from those friends. So hang on, really bad friends. Stay away from them. He said, no, nah, they're my friends. You know, we're for life. We spat on our hand and shook on it. We're friends for life. One day, he comes back home and he's very, you know, regretful. What happened? His so-called friends driving him down to some place and they dropped him off at a beach and they said, we'll come back. They didn't come back. They left him there until midnight. Where are my friends? He's got no way home. He's got no car. Doesn't have a license. How's he going to get home? He managed to call, borrow someone's mobile, and he called his parents, went and got him. Said to him, bro, what are you trying to do? Trying to be like your friends? Are you like a monkey in the jungle, trying to fly, acting like a bird? You're not a bird. All right, don't be like the monkey who tries to fly. Be yourself. You are a Muslim, you are a mu'min, you are a believer, inshallah. Choose your friends right. Don't try to be something you're not. So... He forbid the people of the mountain, people of the land to mix. And it was that the women of the mountain were more attractive than the women of the land. And the men of the mountains, I'm sorry, opposite. The women of the land were more attractive than the women of the mountains and the men of the mountains were more attractive than the men of the land. Because of that rule, there had never been that mixing. And Allahu Alam, Adam alayhi salam died. We'll talk about his death next week, inshaAllah. But he died. And Sheath kept that rule. But what happened? It says that Iblis, he made himself to a form of a young boy, like an apprentice. And he went to a blacksmith who used to work with metal. And he asked if he could be an apprentice for that blacksmith. And what he did was, he worked for him and he designed a flute. He designed the shape of a flute. I'm not sure if this is a hadith, but it's also narrated in Al-Bidaya wa Nihaya by Ibn Kathir, also found in Tariq al-Tabari, that he went in and he created a flute. He made a flute. And with that flute, he came out and he introduced it to everyone. You see, nice voices is natural. The natural nature is natural. The flute had to be invented. Musical instruments had to be made. And so the flute was made and it sounded nice. And they took it and there was a day of celebration that they celebrated during the year. It was a good celebration, but there was never this indecent mixing. It says that when he brought the flute to them, they started to move their bodies to the flute. 
medical uh, science today tells us this is true that when you hear musical instruments the more you hear the more every part of your body reacts to it every single part of your body <laughs> reacts to it your ears your eyes even your nose if, if it has to be your mouth begin to tap you begin to move your fingers why the heartbeat begins to rhythm with it so they began to dance and get together on this flute it says that the people of the mountain began to hear this flute some men were passing by close and they heard the flute they liked the sound and they went in the direction because you see they didn't know where they were they heard the flute one day and it attracted them and they went towards that direction and these men they saw the women of the land and they mixed with the women of the land the following year they called their counterparts from the mountain and they began to slowly mix on the day of celebration which the musical instrument was being played to help this and so it says that zina started adultery and fornication began next week inshallah we will continue this story and i will give you some authentic hadith that we can rely on that supports this meaning if this if the the actual occurrence didn't really happen that way but it will support what we had narrated to you today inshallah we'll continue next week I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our sins, to accept our deeds, to accept your deeds for being here. Hada wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.